Hey, Sarah. Welcome to Uncovered. What are we talking about today? I'm excited. I never know. Well, Sarah, I think it's time to snort a line, smoke a cigar, and sit down because we're about ready to have a Freudian free for all. Okay. And by that, I mean that I, Holly, am going to psychoanalyze people from a place of minimal expertise. And everything that I say can be taken as with a grain of salt because it's a hypothesis only. It is not falsifiable. It's based on my observation, research, and automatic writings with my channeled guide, Siggy. What the hell? Just kidding. So, like, just writing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice are you excited totally okay I have no idea what the hell is going on and I like it <laughs> <laughs> well have you ever heard the term hebristophilia no okay well according to the American Psychological Association hebristophilia is quote sexual interest in and attraction to those who commit crimes Oh, in some cases, this may be directed toward people in prison for various types of criminal activity. Today, we are going to be talking about why you might want to marry a violent criminal or become pen pals or date a guy who's in prison. Totally. There's so many people who do that. Like everyone knows Ted Bundy and he got married in jail and like Scott Peterson and even Charles Manson had women like in love with him. So what's it called? Hebristophilia? Hebristophilia. It's spelled H-Y-B-R-I-S-T-O and then philia. It comes from hubrizine, which is Greek, meaning to commit an outrage against someone. Hmm. Like ultimately that became hubris. Mm-hmm. And then philo, which is to have a strong affinity preference for now, I, I have heard people use philias, like, just like, you know, francophile, or you're using it like you're not actually getting turned on by things that, like, objects that are French. Right. You just, like, really love the stuff. But there's not a sexual component. The American Psychological Association is talking about, when they talk about philias, they're talking about that there needs to be a sexual charge Mm -hmm. related to the thing. Let me preface this by saying there's almost no research on hybristophilia, Uh uh, clinical research on it. And a lot of the information that I found was just like regurgitation of the same article over and over. I did find some actual research articles, but like I said, it was like one and a half. Okay, so everybody with hebristophilia, as like, if you just write a letter to a guy in prison, like, oh, you're attracted to him. Like that's, now this is the impression I'm getting from all of the stuff I'm reading. So I felt like that was very weird because it discounts like that there are actually people who just fall in love with somebody who is in prison. And that doesn't mean that they have hebristophilia and they're only sexually charged by their crimes. Like this is like, I know this is like, I'm geeking out on a definition, 
But if you don't have good, clear definitions, then you can't try to figure out what the hell is going on with behavior that actually can end up being really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Because at the extreme end of this, if you have a, what's considered aggressive hyperstrophilia, you start participating in the crimes with... Uh. Mm-hmm. And now this is all sexually charged. This isn't people who were abused and felt like they didn't have a choice because they were like just abused every day by their spouse. And, you know, their spouse is like, you have to bury the evidence and do all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Scared for my life. That's very different than, oh my God, you're so hot when you boss me around. And I love it when you pull that knife out. Mm-hmm. which is what we're talking about. So I went on the subreddit, Hibristophilia. Oh, wow. And there's only like a thousand, 200 and something members. So it's a very small group of people. Some of the people were like, this is like really disturbing to me that I'm like sexually aroused by, I watched a documentary on Ted Bundy and I'm like, mm really turned on and I'm, and it's weird. I feel really weird about it. So there's a lot of people who feel very weird about it and are like, I need to be really careful with this because it feels dangerous. There, I saw like, I think two or three different posts that were like, Hey, you know, are any of you all like diagnosed with mental diagnosis Mm -hmm. or in therapy? But then there were other people who post pictures of Richard Ramirez and talk about how they are so upset because he's dead and they can't write to him mm-hmm. because they're like in love with him. So, so some of these people are using this, the board as a way to have like a fan club and like other people to share like, oh my God, he's so cute. Oh no. Yeah. And that's like a safe space for them to do that. Because for the mm-hmm. most part, there there aren't people that come in. Every once in a while, somebody will come in and be like, Rawr, you know, but yeah. for the most part, it's just people trying to be open and supportive to one another. So they'll post these pictures of, and some of them are of, killers that I am not familiar with Mm -hmm. and so I so I spent some time like looking at the the picture that the person posted of whatever killer not knowing what crime they committed is something still seems off but but I also know they were a murderer I just don't know what kind right so I'm looking at them, like trying to be like objective, like, is this, mm-hmm. is this person like attractive or is there something, you know, just trying to like f- figure it out. I would look the person up that mm-hmm. committed the crime and immediately my stomach would just flip. I didn't, there weren't any people that I found attractive okay. at all, quite frankly, just as objectively as I could be just for me personally but also I know that they committed these really like brutal murders right Mm -hmm. but I also noticed and this 
this is not scientific. This is me reading every single post on this subreddit like twice and then trying to figure out how I can summarize it for you. And was like, I cannot try this philia on for size because (laughs) some philias I can try on for size. And while Mm -hmm. I wouldn't actually do them, I can be like, yeah, I get that. (laughs) The teen bopper serial killer posts were like, there's usually like one or two comments where it's like, I fantasize about this happening to me. Oh no. So this is called auto assassinophilia. Oh my God. And it's there's a, a lot of men who have this as well. This is mm-hmm. not, this isn't like, oh, women, you know. I'm not saying like, oh, women fantasize about being violated at all. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a thing that's pretty prevalent across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. So I thought that that was interesting that it crossed over into this even more extreme was is like, not only are you turned on by the crime, but now you're turned on by the crime being perpetrated upon you. The little research I could get my hands on, most of the women in no matter what quote form of it you have, had some had abuse as children. So if you keep that in mind, I feel like it explains a lot. Yes. Because whenever you're being abused, if you're being abused, you know, usually people are, children are abused by someone that they know Mm -hmm. and that they're supposed to feel safe with and they're supposed to trust you've got that. And in a lot of cases, kids just act like it's not happening and they still love the abuser. Right. Then later you grow up and you have been sort of wired physiologically have an arousal response to things that are violent, having an arousal response in your body to any kind of like violation is a defense mechanism to make it more bearable. Man, that's heavy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess it seems pretty heavy for uh, Uncovered. It's something, I think it's a good topic, though. I mean, we all know that these people exist, but I never really looked into it as like a category, like a diagnosis. But Mm -hmm. it does make sense that there could be some like underlying pathology in common with a lot of them, not all of them, like you said. Whatever philia you have. You can figure out safe ways to explore it in a safe consensual relationship. Where it gets tricky for this particular category is that the big part of the turn-on is that there is no consent. Like the fact that there's no consent is the turn-on. And that's why it can get really dangerous. Like I came across some cases of women who ended up getting killed by the partner that they became pen pals with in prison. And then when they got out on parole, eventually like they kept killing. When you get into the aggressive hybristophilia, it does get really like there's, there's people sitting in jail uh, because they have this. 
to an extreme degree. The kind that um, start interacting and like going along with the actions. Participating, mm-hmm, participating in the crime. So that makes me think of like natural born killers. I don't know which one started killing first in that though. Exactly. And then it makes me think of like Carla Homolka and Paul Bernardo. Like, ooh. Exactly. It's terrible. Yeah. And those, and it's like the other thing that I noticed from this. So in the literature, it's all women. There's no information on if this happens with women prisoners having male fans. Oh, okay. However, when I go on the subreddit. You find stuff. Oh my God. There's guys, there's guys like half of it probably. Oh wow. It's just like, look at this hot murderer. Oh. Like this, these two, you know, committed this crime and oh, I love how they they did it for love and like like really mm. getting off on like very specific aspects. And it's very specific. And then there were other people who were like, are any of you turned on by white collar crime what yes and there were some people on there now I don't know if they were male or female um Mm -hmm. not a lot but I mean I would say five or six people overall that commented on different posts saying like I'm really into like you know I don't I don't know some of them evasion gets me off (laughs) seriously like like that kind of like I love how tricky their minds work, like all that manipulation. Hmm. This is like a form of uh, masochism. Yeah. It's like, ooh, they're so manipulative. Like, how could they just like manipulate me? I was I was noticing that a lot, whether it was about white collar crime or like violent crime. Um, there yeah. was like this component of they could do it to me. Mm-hmm. And that like there's a that fine that like life or death like fine line is the point of arousal of like physical sexual arousal oh my goodness yeah it is like a form of masochism like you said the white collar crime i definitely never would have thought of that as like a sub genre <laughs> but i mean i guess if you had to pick it's better to be turned on by like a money launderer than a murderer she has like an Enron um, CEO and CFO calendar and they're just wearing their boxers and like a tie sitting on a table in a boardroom. <laughs> Do you need the perfect gift to get your relative that you only meet once a year at Christmas? <laughs> Why not go to CoverYourEyesPodcast.com and pick up your hot and sexy Enron calendar? <laughs> hmm <laughs> the smartest guys in the room try the hottest guys in the room the boardroom <laughs> from the boardroom to the bedroom ceo centerfolds <laughs> oh my god that's so funny all right let's make it in time for christmas we better yes. get on it <laughs> <laughs> we need to like do really bad photoshop <laughs> Whoa. Oh my God. This is crazy. Thank you for telling me. Like, I learned a new word. Yeah. I learned two new words, which actually I'm afraid to say it again now. I think I, I might have, have forgotten already. It's so awkward. Hibrio. 
Hibristo. Hibristophile. Hibristophile. And then there's like an auto-assassinophile or something? Auto-assassinophile. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is a fascinating subject. How'd you pick that? We've already, we already picked out the movie we were going to watch. Mm. And it has a murderer in it. And there's a romance. Mm-hmm. And there's like that um, riding that jagged edge. Totally. Of like forbidden passion. Yes. And like that's what that movie is about. And I didn't quite remember. I mean, I knew the ending. I remembered the ending, but like, you know, it was vague. And then um, the letter that you got was Mm -hmm. from summer school. Yeah. And I re-listened to the episode thinking like, oh, do we have like a question that we had? And, um, And there weren't any. But I made that comment about how I think people don't really think Ted Bundy's hot. They think Mark Harmon's hot as Ted Bundy in the movie. And then I started thinking about women thinking Ted Bundy was hot. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, that is so foreign to me. Because when I look at him, my stomach kind of churns. Yeah. Um, And this really, like my stomach churns and I think don't look in the eyes. Ew. It's it's like don't make eye contact with that picture, because in that one he's demented. Like that in that one he's possessed. Because there's some pictures of him where he looks like a perfectly normal person, and then mm-hmm. there's other pictures of him where he looks like the classic like Charles Manson eyeball vibe going on. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And so, but there's women and men who like are hot for crazy eyeball Ted Bundy. Yeah. That was my train of thought. That's cool. It was like a tie-in. It ended up being like a nice tie-in with everything. I know. (laughs) Weird. Unfortunately, probably people are going to be like, oh my God, this is not not a murder podcast. No. But it just linked in with what was happening. Yeah. Sarah and I are just super into psychology as a hobby and romance. And romance. And movies. And all right. Is there like a certain age range where this usually occurs? 30s and 40s. Oh, okay. Is there a certain like education level or socioeconomic sector where this usually happens there are very little commonalities that are that don't wouldn't just occur in the general public Mm -hmm. um, amongst the samples except that there's a pretty high rate of childhood abuse I can only say that a women uh, I don't know men but I think it's probably the same amount I mean, based on what you saw on Reddit, it seemed like the guys were into it too. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I wouldn't like send this into like a professional <laughs> journal or anything. Would you like to hear uh, some of the theories behind why people would get sexually aroused by someone else commit an act of violence? Does it go back to like caveman days or something? Well... 
That could be one theory. So one theory is that primate research with chimpanzees find that female chimpanzees prefer the larger, louder, more aggressive males who show clear markers of their maleness. In humans, then, certain women might sense in an aggressive male, a larger-than-life companion who can deliver more than an ordinary man could. (laughs) Through him, she subconsciously perceives that she's gaining status and protection. Hmm. I can see that. It's terribly misguided, but I can see how it can happen. I just wanted to add something about chimpanzees. This is my own personal. <laughs> okay. Chimpanzee. There's a lot of chimpanzee talk throughout our podcast, so we mm-hmm. might as well just keep it going. You're right. Okay. <laughs> well, I wanted you guys to know a lot of these same uh, evolutionary psychologists have, they also look at, at they point to a lot of, uh, of their findings that Uh, men are really promiscuous and that women aren't and they have these like animal justification animal behavior justifications for that Mm -hmm. but i'd also like to remind people that female chimpanzees are highly promiscuous during the six (laughs) (laughs) during the six to 18 days of heat they will attempt to mate with as many males as possible Therefore, I propose that women are naturally promiscuous during ovulation every month and need to be in order to secure the best genes for their offspring. It's a biological impetus that operates apart from logic. Historically, women have been severely punished for any sexual expression because of male insecurities that the kid ain't mine. Mm. I guess you could argue that patriarchy is a maladaptive evolutionary strategy because it prohibits women from finding the best DNA matches to make the optimal babies because men prevent women from doing it up and down all over town during ovulation. Mm -hmm. So all we have to do is find some college women who need extra credit. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to ask them to fill out a closed answer. That's a multiple choice survey about how horny they get for random men during ovulation. We're gonna find the data set for how many male chimpanzees a female chimp has sex with during her mating season. And then we're gonna take those two data sets that aren't related. So that is the women's horniness questionnaire and the female chimps in heat statistics. And then we're gonna come to some conclusions that are not falsifiable, which means that you can't prove something right unless you can prove it wrong okay women should be having should be fucking as many men as possible during their ovulation period Mm -hmm. to get the best dna and that there's a biological imperative for this so obviously the summary of our findings is going to be featured on the cover of time and the headline is going to be researchers find women more inclined to cheat during ovulation. Oh. So that's basically, I just like kind of described how 
popular media ends up getting their hands on this evolutionary psychology research and then we hear all of this shit about like men are this way and women are that way and it's because of (laughs) chimps right and it's like well i don't know maybe that was just really fucking obnoxious but i had to get it off of my chest that reminds me of something i heard on a podcast um Oh my God, I think it's called like Deeply Human or something. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm going to get this wrong. But so basically it was just talking kind of along these lines about how humans are the only animals that don't have any way of like displaying when they're ovulating or like when they're ready to go. Like Mm -hmm. other animals have like more pheromones or like chimps or baboons butts become like engorged and like there are visible signals of like it's time but we don't have that and it's like really even not perceptible to us a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and so they're like why is that and um okay from what I can remember it's basically just like because I we're gonna have to take this out because I think I'm saying it all wrong. It's either because that way it allows us to like have sex more often because otherwise we would be like limited to that time. Like in the animal kingdom, they're basically only doing it when it's like that time. And so for us, it was more like since we do have sex more for pleasure, not just for that, at least most people, then Hopefully. it's yeah, kind of like better for us that we don't have any like visible signals so maybe we used to but it got like Mm -hmm. weaned out over time so that we could continue having just fun sex Mm -hmm. I think that's what they said I could be saying like the opposite I need to listen to it again (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then they got into the whole like female orgasm Mm -hmm. thing and like if it serves a purpose and all of that yeah it does yes there's a purpose they were saying these they were saying these purposes that were like not along the lines of what I was thinking. Um, I mean, for some things, haven't you heard that like if the female has an orgasm first, it like increases the likelihood of fertilization mm-hmm. because of just like I've read that the chemicals and the contractions and the things. Mm-hmm. There were some other ones they said that I thought were weird, but I feel like it's like incentive for a woman to have sex with you. Like that's the purpose of a female orgasm to me is like <laughs> to make a woman actually want to have sex. Right. I think the purpose of a female orgasm is to channel goddess frequency. That too. But <laughs> that was the first thing I thought. Of. <laughs> but that is not quantifiable. No, I don't think it is. <laughs> or falsifiable. Mm-hmm. So, like, I it's not something I've ever wondered about. Right. Because I'm like, when something's already there and you just do it all the time, you don't really wonder about it because it's just, like, part of you and how things work mm-hmm. and how your body works. And, like, like, orgasm is a function of our body that we need to be having. Yeah, but do um, women really need it? <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> Asked men who don't know where the clitoris is. <laughs> like when men have an orgasm, it's promoting life. 
when women have it, it's like, why is it happening? That's what they're basically boiling it down to. So it's like, that's why they need to figure out like, they both have to have a purpose. So what is it? Why do you Mm -hmm. climb Mount Everest? Because it's there. Mm -hmm. Why do you have as many orgasms as you want? as a woman because you're totally capable of having like a five minute orgasm or multiple orgasms mm-hmm. because it's there mm-hmm. and because we fucking deserve it because we have to push mm-hmm. kids out of our bodies mm-hmm. so i think we get that's actually why i think we have clits because i think that we are being rewarded for having to give birth oh now i've never given birth right but it looks intense Yes. I've never given birth either, but I've caught a baby coming out and it is intense. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah. It's amazing what the female body can do. Like when you're seeing it, you feel like, can this really be happening? And how will it ever be the same again? But then it is. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. It's a real wonder. Women. Yeah. So yeah. definitely they deserve orgasms, dude. Yeah. Don't question it. Just do it. Exactly. I mean, who cares why? So you know, better yeah. things are research. More orgasms. Exactly. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I don't know what I said, if it's correct at all as to what mm-hmm. I had heard, but that's how I remembered it. So I just had to throw that out there because it kind of went along with what you were saying. Yeah. I mean, I have so much on this topic. I ended up writing a um, single spaced six page. Oh, my God. For this episode. Wow. I couldn't. Yeah. You wrote like a term paper. You did. For no credit. (laughs) Just. Just the glory of sharing. Yeah. What can we learn from evolu- from that little tidbit of, of evolutionary psychology research methodology in its most bare bones form? Mm-hmm. Basically, what I did was I took all of the uh, problems that people have picked out for evolutionary psychology research and I put them all into one proposed research project that was suiting our agenda, which is mm-hmm. to destroy patriarchy <laughs> and get women laid. <laughs> so I hope that came across, but also like, it's really important because people just like read these research researchers find headlines all the time and they're you don't know what they're really based on and a lot of times mm-hmm. like if you actually went read in the real article it's really not what is actually being said and i don't even know a lot of times it's not on per- it's not malicious on the journalist part they just don't they're just not getting what the actual research is. And they just have like attention grabbing headlines. And I'm by no means like any sort of psychology research expert. Also, I find that a lot of the 
tropes of 80s Hollywood movies are that fall right in line with evolu- with a lot of evolutionary psychology agenda, which is like to justify how men need to fuck everything that moves and how women are more submissive and always looking for the biggest, strongest, most toxic masculine person. Which if that was actually true, every like half of our population would be dead because uh, everybody who was attracting a mate would be trying to fuck the most aggressive person and we would be so aggressive that we would like kill each other out because it, it actually takes like 18 generations to change like some kind of a DNA established like characteristic. 18 generations isn't really that many. Mm-hmm. if we were all trying to fuck the most aggressive guy in the room all the time and have his babies then more and more babies would be born with more and more aggressiveness mm. daycare would be just like a cage match instead like violence has been steadily drop it until COVID I don't know about with COVID but has it well it was before COVID yes oh yeah violent but see the media makes you look at all of the violence that is there yeah that's what I see yeah I'm a total just headline yeah or I guess but if you look at the stats on violent crime it's been Mm -hmm. dropping like since the 90s wow yeah that's comforting um i don't really know what this was about because it started off talking about hybristophilia and i realized i wrote a term paper yeah and then i was like i'm not gonna read people a term paper but then i was like i do want to read the part about evolutionary psychology We can pick up on this again because I'm pretty sure that we're going to be doing more movies where people make crime look hot and sexy. I'm sure of it. Which is totally a trope, like a Hollywood trope, especially in the 80s of like, oh, and the 90s through romance, Mm -hmm. natural born killers. Right. uh, Pulp Fiction has some moments. Totally. Um, Basically, Quentin Tarantino is responsible for <laughs> the 90s. Everybody was like, oh, we're going to be Quentin Tarantino now. Uh, violence is sexy is a thing that comes up a lot. And it's like people act like they're shocked when women write to murderers in prison, but it's like, and like think their crime is hot or whatever. But then you like, you turn on the TV or you watch a movie and they're like sexualizing violence all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at like any, pretty much any of Brian De Palma's movies that aren't, well, not any of them, but some of them like extremely erotic setup and then boom, extreme violence against a woman in like detail. Here's the other thing that's interesting is that people aren't questioning like, oh, yeah, well, of course, boys like to watch 
girls run around in bikinis and then get slaughtered by a guy in a mask. But when a woman's attracted to violence as a sexual turn on, they get labeled. Typical. Do you have anything to add? I feel like I've been talking. No, I feel like you blew my mind. And then I tried to add my little blurb, but I'm not sure I said it right. So (laughs) I'll listen to that episode again and come back someday and correct myself if I was wrong. Okay. Well, I liked what you said. I thought it sounded like it made sense to me. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So speaking of going back to school. I have a letter from inspired by summer school. Okay. So should I read it now? Yeah, go for it. Let me take a drink. So what was the question for summer school? Yeah. I think the question for summer school was about like, have you ever had relations with a teacher or like wanted to, cause everyone, cause Mark Harmon was like a super hot teacher in summer school. Right. And of course everyone loved him. And then the one girl played by Courtney Thorne Smith was like always throwing yourself at him and trying to sleep with him. So we mm-hmm. asked like, if you've ever thrown yourself at a teacher or if a teacher has ever come on to you, oh. which is like, Ooh, inappropriate. But so this guy wrote in, um, it just says summer school. There's no like catchy title or anything. <laughs> so It's a guy. Nice. Um, Hey guys, loving the show. I listened to the summer school episode and hearing you talk about how the 16 year old Pam was obsessed with her teacher reminded me of myself in high school. Um, When I was 15, we got a new biology teacher and she was incredibly hot, especially when compared to the old man she replaced. Yes. I think biology teachers always have to be like grizzly old men. (laughs) That's what we had. She was 27 years old and new to teaching. Mm. So it's like, very young still, but like so young enough that a 15 year old would still be like attracted to her. Right. Um, and it's like when you're in high school, any teacher that's like below 40 is like, oh, who's this hot young thing? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> all the teachers are so usually just old and like washed out and gray. Everything's gray. And then right. when anyone with like pigment and hair <laughs> comes in, you're like, wow. God, that's so true. It doesn't take much to be considered like a hot teacher, really. Sorry, teachers. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, like, there are hot teachers, but we're just saying the standards are different. Uh, Okay. Anyways. I would spend most of the hour staring at her long blonde hair and I didn't pay much attention in class. I started doing worse in school because I was too nervous to ask questions in front of her. That makes sense. Like if you Uh, like someone, you don't want them to be like, who's this dumbass asking this question? I had it bad one time. For who? Uh, A high school teacher? No, it was a, it was a college. College. Oh, okay. Yeah. But if it was a high school teacher, I definitely needed to know right now. It would have to wait. Oh, totally. Um, no, I wouldn't tell you if it was. Okay. I would have told you before we started the podcast. Okay. It was a high school teacher. <laughs> uh huh. There was like one cute one I can remember, but that's it. Um, do do do. Um, I started doing worse in school because he didn't want to ask questions in front of her. And then he says, um, 
At least once a week, I would wear decent clothes and drench myself in Axe body spray. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet he was so nervous. Oh, and oh. then look for an excuse to stay after class. But I always chickened out. He was like working up wow. the nerve. Mm-hmm. Forward. I know, but nothing happened. He's just, he's just like in his mind, like getting ready for school that day. Like today is yeah. the day. It's like <laughs> the fantasy. Yeah. Mm, okay. Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> then um, I kept my crush on her all through high school. I went to a college about an hour away, but every summer I came back to lifeguard at the swim club in my hometown. She and her husband were members and they were always there with their little boy. And then he says, I'm surprised no kids ever drowned because I was always staring at her while I was supposed to be watching them. <laughs> married too yeah she's married i mean she's 27 it's only she has a little kid so yeah maybe no kids drown maybe they didn't he didn't see it who knows (laughs) (laughs) um okay after i got my bachelor's i came back to my hometown and i had trouble finding my dream job so i worked in a little computer repair shop one day the teacher He never says her name. It's just the teacher. Mm -hmm. So one day, like, that teacher came in and brought her desktop to be repaired. Oh, no. A desktop. So this is probably a while ago. But um, I was so nervous. It felt like I was right back in high school. (laughs) And it didn't seem like she recognized me, though. I mumbled something about how it would be no problem and she could come get it on Friday. So that Friday, I shaved, fixed my hair, and wore a dress shirt. I He says, I skipped the Axe body spray this time, <laughs> which is good. Um, yeah. Because now you're in your 20s, and I don't think you're supposed to wear that anymore. No. They should card you. If you're over 18, they won't sell it to you. <laughs> Do they still sell it? I don't, I don't know. know. It was like a big <laughs> thing for a while. It's a really funny concept. <laughs> <laughs> you're too old to wear this. It's for your own good, kid. Um, Okay, so when she came in, I tried to be cool, but I'm sure I wasn't. Um, She thanked me and she said she wasn't looking forward to setting it back up because she was Mm -hmm. terrible with computers. Mm -hmm. I said, can't your husband help you? Mm -hmm. And then she said they were divorced. Mm -hmm. And then she added, and he's watching our son this weekend. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so he says, I felt like she was flirting, but I couldn't tell for sure. So I said, we don't usually do this, but since you were my favorite teacher, I can do you a favor. I can come set it up for you if you want. <laughs> what? Okay, wait. So I feel like somebody listened to the splash episode and they heard us say like the word penthouse a couple of times and they were like, oh, <laughs> we can write into these ladies. This is like the penthouse forum up in here. <laughs> I mean, nothing's happening yet, but yeah, it feels like it's getting there. Um, I can set it up for you if you want, because you're my favorite teacher. No big deal. And then he says, it felt like a million years before she finally said, sure. So she gave me her address and I went over after work. Um she offered me a beer and said, you're old enough for this, right? Oh, and I said, what? yeah, I'm 23. Oh. 
Because he was at that time. He'd already finished his bachelor, so. He, he, he was legal. I mean, this has been a while. Yeah, it's, it's been like a while. He liked her all through high school, and then. Yeah. He came back home, and she was still there. So he's like, yeah, I'm 23. And she said, good. Then I'm glad you're finally old enough for this too. <laughs> and she started unbuttoning her shirt. <laughs> I feel so flattered that somebody was like, I'm going to send these ladies a penthouse forum. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's totally from the Splash episode. John Candy. This is the John Candy story, actually, that he submitted to Penthouse, I think. Oh, my God. I love it. Um, okay. So she started unbuttoning her shirt. I felt like I was going to pass out and just stood there frozen. She said, what's wrong? Isn't this what you've always wanted? What she knew the whole time. Yeah. So he said, um, I guess all that time I spent staring at her, I had been oh. more obvious than I thought. <laughs> So she like picked up on it. It sounds like. So he said, I finally just said, yes. Then she led me to her bedroom and I swear to God, she said. (laughs) Sarah's blushing. (laughs) This is why I had to read this one. Then she said, why don't you come show me your hard drive? (laughs) (laughs) And then he says, that terrible joke almost killed my boner, but she was so hot I had to forgive her. <laughs> um, and he says, we spent the next two nights together. And she stopped it after that, though, because she said she felt kind of weird about being with a mm. former student. So mm. I guess it like played itself out, you know? Yeah. He said, even though we were both adults at the time, it still felt kind of hot and forbidden. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. listening to it, I feel kind of weird. I feel unsettled. Unsettled, (laughs) but titillated. (laughs) Nice. Then he just says, definitely the best weekend of my life. And it's just signed RJ. Jesus. I know. Not for teacher. RJ. What do you think about, how did you feel? about rj um yeah like this the letter i guess if he was 15 so that's still pretty young to for when she met him but mm-hmm. it's so many years later and they're like both fully adults so i can see yeah both sides where it would seem creepy because she did meet him when he was 15 but she didn't do anything with him then so no. it's not really crossing a line but still it's like in your mind of like yeah. This is a little 15 year old that wanted my bod. Mm-hmm. Now he's all grown up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, since they're adults and it was his fantasy, then I guess it's kind of hot. But I can also yeah. see how it could be weird. There is a difference. He had full mm-hmm. sexual agency in this situation. Have you ever had a college teacher that was like inappropriate? No. That's good. I guess I sound disappointed. Oh. I don't think I did. Everyone was super appropriate. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. I mean, and I was super cute then. 
<laughs> You're super cute now. Thanks. Sometimes after I get off of the line with you, I'm like, I'm like, I hope I'm I was cute enough. Because <laughs> I'm like, Sarah looks so cute. I hope I was cute enough. Oh my god, of course. Yeah. You're super cute. And you're always Aww. actually like dressed with your hair done. And I'm just like look insane and I'm always just wearing like a t-shirt with my hair and like she always the other night I was great. talking to Dan and I was on we were FaceTiming and he was like you kind of have like a you look like you're in a Napoleon Dynamite movie because you know that girl always had like the side ponytail my ponytail always goes to the side I don't I think it's because my head is always tilted and it just goes that way I love the side um, ponytail it just happens naturally for me I'm meant to be in the 80s my hair is meant for the 80s. It really is. I, I thought you were doing your hair for the show. So when you no. said you said you were you were showing up undone, I was like, really? <laughs> I thought she like always showed up like you were dressed like we're Very talking rarely. about an 80s movie. That's only happened probably like four times. The rest of it is just thrown together. This is what's happening. Do we have anything else? for uncovered um no i don't think so all right bye hmm. bye thank you for listening to cover your eyes podcast we love it when you subscribe rate and review you can also visit our store on redbubble at cover your eyes podcast on patreon we've got an after party every week where we tell all our secrets and answer the movie mysteries that keep you up at night. It's twice the melodrama and double the fun. Find it on patreon.com backslash cover your eyes. Oh, don't forget, if you have your own memories of this movie, let us know. Email us at cover your eyes podcast at gmail.com.